calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again, it's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? <laughs> I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this. And welcome to another edition of The Flow. I'm your community manager, Doc Rock, along with my awesome co-host. Hey, everyone. It's Katie. Man, she's switching up on me two weeks in a row. It's, 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 There's always going to be this pause, though, because I'm like madly waving. <laughs> so, sorry, <laughs> Louise will have to cut out my waving. Like, Katie, the, the podcast <laughs> listeners cannot see you waving, but I'm going to wave anyway. <laughs> that's the best. That's the best. <laughs> All right, gang. Today... We have ourselves a special guest, and we're going to talk about some workflows that work. I know Katie came up with that title. <laughs> I like it. I know, yeah. Katie is super excited. I'm also like horribly grainy today, so I do apologize to everyone who is watching me on the video. The replay will be fine because Luis is awesome and I'm recording my video, <laughs> but sorry in advance. It goes to say again, like uh, people, it's one of the things that I think a lot of people get sort of mixed up. You can have like 6,000 by 6,000 up and down. Your internet might be fine, but from you to Luis, there might be 19 to 20 computers in the middle, right? I, I think people assume that when you call Luis, it goes from your computer to Luis's computer, and mine goes from me to Luis. I probably have somewhere in the ordinance of 30 computers that it gets passed off to. So right after it leaves you, somewhere in Amesbury, there's a master hub. And then from there, it'll probably go to the next city till it makes its way down to Boston proper where the real pipe might be. And that pipe's going to slide to New York. And then from New York, it'll work its way down. It's a thing. It's not just you. So just so you know, like a lot of people freak out by that. And sometimes you can have everything right and it's still going to do goofy because that's just the way it's called the internet. Net has little teeny cells. All right, there you go. I'm done with that. 
<laughs> no more nerd talk. Let's get started. Let's let's bring on our guest. This week we have an amazing guest. He's built many, many things and actually has a show called How You Built It. So this week we're going to bring on Joe Casabona. But rather than do the long bio, tell us a little bit about the Joe self. <laughs> tell us about Joe self. <laughs> well, uh- <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I I'm a father of three, so I appreciate a good <laughs> cheesy pun. Uh, I am a podcast and automation coach, so I love talking about podcast workflows. I also have my master's in software engineering. I like to tell people I'm a recovering WordPress developer. I did that for 20 <laughs> plus years, or web development for 20 plus years. I live outside of Philly now, but I am from New York, about an hour north oh, of the perfect. city. So. I always feel like I need to tell people that because, you know, I'll wear my Yankee hat sometimes in Philadelphia, put a target on my back. I know. And I'm very bold. (laughs) Uh, I won't wear my Giants jersey, my New York Giants jersey, because that's that's even worse. But uh, I love automation. I'm a solo entrepreneur with a family of five, three kids and my wife and me. And so I try to take as much off of my plate as possible. And I want to help other coaches and solo entrepreneurs. And podcasters do the same thing. That is super cool. You know, I'm like you, uh, but I got kicked out of New York because I'm actually a diehard Red Sox fan. Oh, man. My condolences on the baseball season (laughs) so far. It's it's, it's super, it's super sad. But but I fit in really well when I go to Boston to go hang out with the the company. So it's all good. (laughs) You, You know, you're talking about, I used to teach computer science at the University of Scranton. So you're talking about how information gets from one computer to another. And I always used to describe that as you're taking a cross-country road trip and you're stopping at rest stops along the way. And uh, yep. it takes longer. And they're also not the best places to hang out because your traffic can get intercepted <laughs> if it's not encrypted. So oh, yeah. I like yeah. that. Before we dive into the workflow, you know, it's really interesting that you might not know. A lot of cable companies buy houses that might have been ready to get torn down and they turn them into like relay houses. So they fireproof the walls. They basically make it air gap. So it's a totally controlled system, no dust and all the equipment's hiding inside a house in your neighborhood. And you won't even know it unless you can bring up a FLIRA drone and you'll see one house is oddly perfectly temperatured all the way through, no hot spots. <laughs> that is a secret house. It is power supplies and data centers and everything, and they spread them all around the house. I know that the company that begins with the S and ends with the um, they do that because mm. I know where all three of them is in my neighborhood. My brother used to work for Spectrum. <laughs> wow. That's better than like the giant green box that would just sit on some people's lawns. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. The hub boxes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you did, Katie. Everybody's seen them. Most people have never paid them attention. We sat on them when we were kids. We drank on them when we were teenagers. We we tagged them. If you were from New York, you know, you put in what side, you know. Everybody has seen them, and yet nobody knows what they are. Uh, I'm the least observant person out there, so... (laughs) <laughs> I, I will show you the one in Amesbury the next time I'm there. I'll find it and show it to you because they have to be there. Otherwise, you can't do this. All right. Katie, you have, what's your first question? I know you've probably been dying to ask one of these. <laughs> Katie is the workflow queen. I, I know, Well, I'm working at it. I'm working at workflows, which is why it's been fun for the journey. And I would say, I guess, 
How do you get started with workflows? And that's probably a, a much bigger question than, <laughs> than we can fit into this episode. But my biggest challenge, as we were saying, even before we jumped onto this show, is that I have really great intentions and I even block off time to set aside for building out workflows and thinking about automations and approaching it. And then it's kind of easy for me then once I've blocked off that time to be like, oh, distraction over here and move on and not actually set up the workflow. So how do you approach building workflows for clients who are like, I know I need this, but I don't know how to get started? Yeah. So this is a great question, right? And it it starts with knowing what you do and where you spend your time. So I'm a big proponent, uh, less a practitioner, if I'm being honest, of time tracking, (laughs) especially when you're doing something new. You want to know how much time you're spending on something. You want to know exactly what you're doing, right? So usually I'll tell people, my coaching clients or my students, write down everything you do. If we're talking about podcasting, I'll say, write down everything you do to produce one episode leave nothing out, right? Because... Oh, let's all do that. Yeah. Yeah. So like sometimes it'll be like, oh yeah, well, I send a guest a Calendly link and then like I send them some other stuff and I'm like, but what do you send them, right? Because like one of those things that you send them, you could redirect. You can use the redirect in Calendly and then you don't have to send them that link anymore, right? They sign up and they get that link automatically. So that's the first thing that we'll go through. And then I'll say, okay, what are the things that you do, but you personally don't need to do. I hate to break it to everybody, but most of the things you do, you personally don't need to do, right? Someone else can do it and might do it better, right? My VA does a better job at gathering the show notes than I do at this point. So that's the second question. The third question, this is where nuance kicks in, right? Does a person have to do it versus does a robot have to do it? And the things Mm. the robot can do are the things that you can automate. So My favorite example is guest scheduling. Instead of doing the email dance of, oh, what works for you? What time can you do it? Oh, what time zone are you in? Eastern Standard. Oh, but we're in daylight time now. The hours are all messed up. We changed our clocks last week. You're not changing yours till next week. I don't change mine at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You you live in Arizona where you just change time zones, right? Like that's like Arizona has its own time zone listing. Send them a Calendly link, right? Or a Savvy Cal link or whatever. Send them a scheduling link that will just automatically figure that out, right? And then again, inside the scheduling link, you can include a Zoom call or an Ecamm live link or a whatever, right? I use Riverside. I have a studio just for my main podcast and it's the same link every time. So that's just the location. And then if you are on a paid account, you can redirect after people schedule. So you can say like, oh, instead of showing them a thank you note or a thank you text, send them to this link. So I always send people to my guest notes. Hey, here's what to expect. Wear headphones, please. Please wear (laughs) headphones, right? That's like most of the text on that page. And so that one workflow saves people lots of time. And then we could take it one step further from, well, I've been talking a lot, so I'll stop here if there are other clarifying questions. No, I think that's great. And that, it's funny, like that one absolutely is the easiest one. I, I haven't even gone through the process yet of kind of laying out all of my time and the different steps that we take. I mean, we've talked about it, but I haven't actually like sat through and really been diligent about laying everything out. But that one was definitely an easy fix. Doc and I also do like other different kinds of things for Ecamm. So recently, Doc's been doing all of these amazing Ecamm masterclasses, but he had his own Calendly link because he runs his own business as well and does a bunch of other steps. So we're like, Oh, we need to like pull this Calendly link in 
so that I can see and be like kind of the admin to doc scheduling and make sure that we have everything all set up on the ecamm channels and everything's all ready to go. So yeah, it is. I feel like that's a good low, low lift if you're watching and you're listening and you're like, really just want to be able to get started in workflows and you do any kind of guest management, that one does save a ton of time because you are, you're saying the same thing over and over to people. After a while, it's like, and even I'm like, I'm a fast typer. It doesn't really matter. It matters. You are losing a lot of time. You think it doesn't, but right. it does. Yeah. And the thing I love about Calendly, which I think Savvy Cal also does now, is it can also send like the follow-up email, right? So like the yep. post-appointment email or post-call email, it's yep. always a thank you for your time. I'll email you when your episode comes out. What's your address? I'd love to send you a thank you note. And I have postcards and I do handwritten notes. If they enjoyed it, right? If they don't want to give me their address, that's fine. But so I'm leveraging automation there to add a personal touch because people are like, you actually wrote this. And I'm like, yeah, with a fountain pen. I love fountain pens. So same. <laughs> and you yeah. saved all the time from not having to do all yeah. the back and forth. I want to bring up something that you said that I think a lot of creators miss and a lot of creators get stuck in the concept of doing a VA. Yesterday, I had my annual eye doctor appointment, which I completely forgot about. And then <laughs> I go in and you get dilated and stabbed in the eye to check to see if you have glaucoma. Still don't. <laughs> Excellent news, Doc. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was funny is, so Dr. Bosser walks in and she's like saying stuff. And I heard this voice come out of her iPad. And I kind of wanted to go like that, but there was something stabbing me in the eye. <laughs> and <laughs> She was like, oh, oh, yeah, sorry, that's Kenneth. That's my VA. And then so <laughs> Kenneth was repeating what she was saying and taking the notes so that way she doesn't miss anything. And believe it or not, now that more and more medical people are doing that, they're having less and less minor mistakes because you have two people watching. And in the past, it used to be sometimes they'd have in another doctor standing behind them taking notes while they're doing it like, you know, Dr. House style. But that's becoming harder for them to do. Their field is having a lot of shrinkage because people just can't afford the school or it's just getting cost prohibitive. So I thought it was really cool that, you know, doctor had her VA basically on a conference call shouting out everything she was saying and taking notes. I actually felt more comfortable. I know she's like, oh, some people get weird when they hear Kenny talking in the back. And I'm like, nah, because he won't miss nothing <laughs> if, you yeah. know, because her and I'll be cracking jokes or saying stupid stuff. And yeah, it was just really, really incredible. And so I, I asked her, I was like, oh, why'd you get started doing that? It's because she had a shoulder surgery. So for a long time, she couldn't write the notes herself. She could still use the other hand to, you know, check your eye, but she couldn't write the notes. And then now she did it. She would never give it up. She's like, it's the best thing ever. Could you talk a little yeah, bit about that? It's so interesting, right? Because I have a VA almost as a forcing function as well, right? During the pandemic, my wife is a nurse. So she was one of the few people who didn't get to work from home, yeah. but all the schools were closed. The number of my children tripled throughout the course of the pandemic. We had one at the start. <laughs> we had three by the end. And so I, you know, a lot of the child rearing for half the week was just on me. And if I want to keep running my business, then I need someone to do things on the days I can't do anything. And so I found a VA. She is in the Philippines. I try to pay her as well as I can. 
because uh, she does a lot of stuff for me. She takes a lot of stuff off my plate that I don't have to think about anymore. And if I get behind or I need to do something, if I need to publish it more quickly than she does, I end up going to the documentation that she created based on the videos I made for her because I've forgotten how to do it. And so it's been a huge help in my business taking things again, because I'm solo. I want to stay as a single business owner. And she's taken a lot of things off of my plate that would prevent me from working on the important work that helps me grow my business. I, I bet you even doing those videos to help her understand what you need for her to jump on and do is helpful as well. Like it, again, it's, I feel like that's a great way to start approaching all of this. So often we get really busy and we get really focused on everything that we're doing. And I'm 100% talking to myself as well, but realizing kind of what you're doing is really good and having to explain what you're doing to get someone else to help you is going to help you figure out like where those pain points are, you know, what you're doing that's kind of a bonkers process or you can simplify or streamline or automate. So yeah, I mean, those were the first SOPs, standard operating procedures I've ever created for my business. Yeah, I've been freelancing since high school, since I was 14 years old. I got my first web design client and it wasn't until I was 35 or whatever that I had like my first SOPs because I created these videos. I just narrated what I was doing and I said, transcribe these and write out the steps for this process. And that was the first thing. It also provides some verification that she understood the task. Yep. And now we have a handbook, right? We have the Good House Media Handbook. There you so go. how do you feel about finding a VA? Or what kind of process is it? And how do you approach making sure that you get one that works? Yeah, that's a really good question. I wouldn't say I'm an expert in this area. I can tell you what I did, which was I went to onlinejobs.ph. This is a specifically Filipino community virtual assistant area. Most of them are, are going to be English as a second language. They're really good at the repetitive tasks with very clear outcomes, right? So one of the things that I assigned my VA in the beginning was like, find me conferences to speak at. That is too nebulous a task, right? It's really open-ended. She needs to understand me and my area of expertise. But like the publish my podcast episodes, right? That's really clear. Go and update the cover art for the automatically uploaded podcast from Transistor to YouTube to make it the actual cover art instead of just the standard art, right? Those are things yep. that are really good for her. There are stateside VA or online OBMs, online business managers, something like that, where you can find them stateside or boss assistants is someone I'm working with. They have a Canadian team where their autonomy will be a little bit higher than that, right? So they, they'll take some time to understand you and your business and then you could say, like, find me conferences to speak at, book my plane ticket, things yeah. like that. And so it really depends on your price range and, and the tasks that you're looking to have completed. Quick tip on that. If you list a job, you're going to get thousands of applications. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I know this just from doing it for other people. It's very important that you have exactly what you want done in mind. You have some form of SOP. Even if that requires you to make a bunch of videos saying how you work, how you like to work, so forth, so on, et cetera. And one of the things I know a lot of my clients have always worried about, about getting a VA from the PI is, that sounds really funny, is, you know, like, oh, but what, what about the language barrier? I'm like, we live in Hawaii. Like, most of us have enough Tagalog built in just from living here to cover what nobody else can do. So don't freak out over that. But I guarantee you, if I was to give them an English test and then give you an English test, 
Which one of you is going to fail? I'll put a thousand bucks on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Katie sees it every day from me. <laughs> but I'm amazed at the <laughs> amount of Americans that they're very fine at functionally verbal speaking English, but their written English is absolutely horrible. Whereas most of your VAs, most of the people outside of the country that study English, they study it from a level minus the cockiness. So they're actually better at it, believe it or not. Don't get dissuaded yep. by your spam emails. Your spam emails are people that are under stress to basically psych you out of your cash. It's a whole different conversation. And I mean, they're looking for low-hanging fruit there, right? Like, they're looking yeah, yeah, for the yeah. people who aren't proofreading. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, they're catching them because otherwise that industry would have aided a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you're right. You are going to get a bunch. Um, But you can fix that, you know, by setting up email filters, making sure that, you know, they're saying the type of stuff that you want. And one of my friends did something and she put a very specific line in her thing that says, when you answer me back, make sure you include this. And all of the people that didn't include it automatically done because <laughs> they can't follow the instructions. Yeah. I took a test once uh, for this agency I was working with. I was in real estate. And one of the questions of, you know, like, we want to see if we'll be good to work together. And somewhere after the, you know, wire manhole covers round type of stuff, there was a question on a piece of paper and it said, please write down how you are a detailed person. And, you know, everybody just answers away, like, how detailed they are. And, you know, and I was like, I don't know, probably better than you because I know how to spell detail. It's not D-E-T-A-L-E. And that was my that was my thing. She's like, you know, you're like the first first person in like 30 people that we've interviewed to catch that. Wow. I'm like, how? And I'm the worst speller in the planet. But like, how did you even read detail like chop off a tail? And like nobody caught that. But yeah, super weird. And you can do things like that in order to help mitigate the spam. I mean, that's like the classic story now, right? Van Halen always had in their rider. We want a bowl of only brown M&Ms, yeah. right? Yeah. And the reason for that was they had a lot of pyrotechnics in their show. They needed a lot of things to be done perfectly well so that nobody got hurt. And they knew if they saw a bowl with not just brown M&Ms that they didn't read the writer carefully enough to make sure that they executed everything properly. Oh, see, Smart. that's good. I always thought they were just being jerks. <laughs> <laughs> High maintenance jerks. <laughs> All right. I have more questions. I'm going to hijack this interview from Doc. I'm getting ballsy these days. <laughs> Knock it out the park. I would like to know, obviously, you're also in this podcasting space. So what are some of your favorite podcasting workflows that you now couldn't even dream of living without? All right. I'm going to tell you a couple that sound <laughs> really complicated. And I'm going to tell you, dear listener, and Katie, yeah, automation is iterative. So I have been automating my podcast for like six years now. So mine did not start like this. <laughs> my favorite one is the guest onboarding flow, right? If you go to howibuilt.it slash apply, you'll see a form there that has a bunch of information in it. There's also like a slight tweak to that link that I can send to people whom I've personally invited onto the show. The reason I have it that way is that people who apply get put into the guest pitches Airtable base for me to review those applications. The people who are invited get automatically sent to Calendly so that they can book. Anything they filled out on that initial form, right? Because I asked for their headshot, so it uploads the headshot to Dropbox for me. But anything that they filled out in that form automatically gets passed to Calendly as well. 
after they fill out the Calendly link, they get put into my schedule. Also in Airtable, it's like my episodes base, my podcast planner that has their name and what we're talking about. And the day that they go live, because I basically just schedule in the order in which they show up, my episodes in the order in which they book, and then episode number and a Google Doc that is filled out based on the form as well. So there's a folder in Google Drive called Show Notes. I have a template. I use make.com, formerly Integromat, for this. So the information from Calendly gets sent to Google Drive. The form or the, the Google Doc is filled out with all of the information for the show notes, and then it gets shared with the guest. So if I have specific questions, I can share them with them ahead of time. That link then gets put into Airtable. I do that because my VA, when this is all ready to publish, uses that Google Doc to create the show notes. So that's all on the front end of the booking stuff. Calendly also handles the reminder emails and, and things like that. So that's on the front end. I love that one because I do some guest outreach. I send them a link. I don't have to worry about me forgetting to tell them something, right? <laughs> Everything is handled. Yeah, exactly. I can look at my schedule and see like, oh, what's coming up? Oh, I only have like two guests and I usually like to remain four to six episodes ahead. Do I need to schedule a solo episode? Do I need to grab a friend for an upcoming episode? Things like that. So that's all on the front end before we record. Uh, that's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Very cool. You know, what's funny is it was years ago, even before Ecamm, I remember at one point I was listening to a couple episodes in a row because you had people that were sort of going into the content space, but this was like freaking eons ago. I couldn't even tell you. Maybe it was like four years ago. <laughs> An eternity ago. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny to think about it about it now. And then the one I heard recently, though, was uh, Wes Cow. Cow. Sorry, I'll pronounce it properly. I like the idea of building a workflow, even something as simple as like your post-production workflow, right? I think a lot of people get sort of worried about that. And a lot of things you can do if you set it up will make life easier. Like for editing videos, I always spend an extra five minutes to name all the files and put mm -hmm. them in mm -hmm. folders. And that yeah. alone makes it easier. But most people refuse to do that and still struggle with, I'm having a hard time editing. I'm like, well, because your files aren't named. But yeah. <laughs> renaming your files. Simplest thing possible, and it'll take you an extra 10 minutes, but it will cut down your editing by a long shot. File naming is crucial for me because that also kicks off automations in Airtable for me. So once mm -hmm. I record, right, I record with Riverside, and Riverside has a Dropbox automation or a Dropbox integration. And so I can download episodes automatically into Dropbox. So I always make sure to name the episode episode number, guest name. All of that information gets put into the file name that's downloaded. And then I use an app called Hazel. I love this app. It's called Hazel. Hazel. It's by NoodleSoft. Yeah, we were yes. talking about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And so like this will watch <laughs> the Dropbox folder for any new files from Riverside. And let's just say I'm working with episode 316, right? If there's not an episode 316 folder in my pre-production podcast folder, it will create that folder with the name. It'll put those files in there. And then when I am ready to do uh, the last bit that I do before I never see the episode again until it hits my feed is I'll write the summary and the top takeaways myself based on the notes I took. I'm experimenting with like some AI tools for this, but they're a little uh, opinionated. Yeah, they're, they're, a, 
<laughs> they definitely like, pick whoa, one thing down. they want to focus on that I didn't want to focus on. And then I'll record the cold open. Then I put the edit instructions. I usually just tell my editor, I've been working with him for like five years. So I'm just like, go, you know, you know what to do. But if there's like specific things, usually if they curse, I want to keep that clean rating on my podcast. So I'll usually like timestamp the swear words and be like, can you edit that out or like beep it out? Or he never beeps it. He always just edits out, which is like, <laughs> I know that's nicer, but like one time, you know, I just want to hear the beep. Anyway, uh, so I'll make my own edit notes. That'll be the last file that gets added. So once that gets added, the whole folder, Hazel moves the whole folder into the needs editing folder in Dropbox. Airtable updates the status of episode 316 to needs editing. My editor gets an email. He edits it. He puts it back up in the like ready for publish folder. Again, make formerly Integromat is watching that folder. Again, the episode number is really important there because that's how it figures out which record to update. So 316 then gets updated to ready for publish. My VA gets an email and my transcriber gets an email. And my VA knows to gather everything. Most of it's an Airtable create the images, schedule it for publish on the date in Airtable. So wow. once I basically record the cold open and make my edit notes, I'm done with it until I see it in my feed on Monday mornings. That's great. I can already, I'm like making a mental list of a few things that we definitely do manually. It's working what we're doing, but we could certainly save a ton of time if we had, you know, some of those tools watching different folders and things to be able to simplify that Watch process. folders are gold, well, absolute gold. You know, like when you finish a, a podcast, for instance, you get it with a lot of large files, right? And for us, because we're recording directly in Ecamm, that Ecamm recordings folder for me gets psycho. Why? Because I'm live six days a week, right? Because I'm, I'm doing various shows constantly. I have Hazel go in basically every Saturday and move all of that stuff to the raid. Because if I didn't, I would always be running out of hard drive space on my computer. So... Hazel, like anything older than this day, move it to the raid. And I use finder tags to color everything. And so it knows what color is what. And it just put things in a various, you know, certain positions. You know, what's funny is you mentioned make coming from Integromat. The one thing that's been crazy about automation for me and why I always get mad is because every one of the services that I've ever picked for pipes, starting with pipes, gets broken. Okay, so pipe was killing it, right? Okay, then, ooh, IFTTT, woo. Nope, then now that one's horrible. <laughs> then you go to like <laughs> Integromat, now it's make, and then there's Zapier. And so a lot of the uh, workflow assistants, they like to keep doing stuff and changing stuff. Have you ever had your workflows absolutely broken by one of your services? Knock on wood. Not that often. One of the reasons I like make is because their emails are like really in your face when an automation breaks. Like more than Zapier is just like something happened. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, like, why are you paying? Why am I paying you seventy five bucks a month to be like, I don't know? Where don't like know. make is like, hey, uh, something broke, and you should probably fix it before we turn it off. And like, here's the data where it all broke. Yeah, here's what you. Yeah, here's what you need to figure out. Which like, I mean, Zapier does that too. I just felt like their emails were like less. They're tone deaf. You're right. They're yeah, so tone. I feel deaf. way more urgency with make. The worst one for me, and this was totally my fault, I forgot to turn the automation on, was I use ConvertKit for my email service provider. Yeah, we do for too. For my mailing list. There, a couple years ago, like their embedded forms were just like ugly as sin and like really heavy from a <laughs> uh, like performance standpoint. Like they just threw in a bunch of JavaScript and I didn't really like that. And I was like, 
you know what? I can design a beautiful form using, I use gravity forms so in WordPress. And even better, I can include the referring link because this is something that ConvertKit doesn't do. It drives me crazy. I want to associate the link where someone signed up with their account. So I know like what pieces of content are doing well. Yeah. What made them sign up? Yeah, exactly. And so like I could use, I have, it's a custom field. I call it lucky URL. I don't know why I named it that, but it's just now it's like a little <laughs> clever thing to I like ask it. me. I can send that URL too. It'll be great. And I tested it and it all worked. And then I forgot to turn it on for like a month. And I was like, how come no one's signing up for my mailing list? I mean, like a lot of people don't sign up anyway or didn't at that time, but like what's going on? And then like a month went by and I decided to check. And of course I wasn't storing the information in WordPress. I was sending it all directly to ConvertKit. So I missed like a month of email newsletter signups. And I tell myself, ah, it probably was like three, but it probably was more than three. So that was my fault. Always turn your automations on, which is another thing I really like about Make is it's like, hey, do you want us to save these changes that you're about to navigate away from? And like, hey, do you want us to turn this on? And Zapier's like, ah, you probably know what you're doing. Or at least they were back then, right? How much of it is, you said, which I think is genius, that it's an iterative process. And I completely agree. Now that you've been doing this for so long, and this is your business and what you're so amazing at, what is the process where you're like, is this working well enough? Do I need to tinker with it or build on it or add something else versus like, I'm great. (laughs) Everything is working really well. Usually what I'll tell people is, if you find yourself doing this multiple times a week, right? Let's just say you've done it like five times in the last two weeks. It might be worth automating, right? So like I would manually email my editor to let him know when a new episode was out. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Robots can do this. First of all, there are four like components. Am I in frame here? Four components to (laughs) an automation. There's the trigger, right? This is like the inciting event. This is the thing that happens that kicks off the whole thing. Let's use automatic bill payment. This is something that most people do or should do. If you don't want your water turned off, that's maybe happened to somebody on this call. So the trigger is a date, right? The first of the month is the trigger. Then you have the action. This is the thing you want to happen after the trigger triggers. So the event, the action for automatic bill payment is money is taken out of your account and given to the people you need to pay. So those are really the two main components to automation. The third component is, I'll usually call it routing or conditions, right? So you can check the data that comes in and then change the actions based on the data. So for Mm -hmm. me, one of my automations watches Calendly and I have multiple calendar links, multiple types of calendars. So I have a router that says, hey, if this is a one-on-one coaching call, do this one thing, right? Put them in the coaching air table and tag them in ConvertKit as coaching client. If this is the podcast scheduling link, kick off that whole automation I described earlier, right? So that's routing. And then the fourth component is timing. How often do you want this to happen? Does it need to happen at certain times? Do you want things to happen immediately? The big benefit between, I think, Zapier and Make is Zapier, which is like nine times more expensive than Make, abstracts away the operational side of things, right? So Make charges you based on the number of tasks it runs, and Zapier doesn't. They kind of hide all of that stuff. But again, for Make, uh, you know, I'm paying, I'm a pretty heavy automator. 
and I'm paying like 11 bucks a month for make versus 75 bucks a month I was paying for Zapier. So for me, I'm willing to do that management stuff because I can do everything I was doing in make versus Zapier. So all of that preamble is to say, I like to start with two-step automations, right? Because those are easy to test. They're easy to verify. They're easy to make sure they continue working. So the Calendly router, right? At first, that was a one-step automation, Calendly to Airtable. Wasn't doing any routing at first. When I'm ready to change it, if it's going to be particularly complicated or I'm exploring something, I will clone or duplicate that automation uh, so that I have a starting point, but that I don't mess up the one that I know is working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then I'll, I'll make some changes and test. And then if that one works, I will turn off the old one and turn on the new one. I'm over here laughing because I'm like, now nah, he tells me. <laughs> I'm completely done. That. I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a simple little tweak. And then boing, wires yeah, everywhere. Nothing's yep. ever working. I used to use a thing called Slogger, which was Python script written by my buddy Brett Terpster. And what nice. it was for is you were logging all your social media stuff. Because at one point, you know, you got your Twitter things, you got your LinkedIn things, you got your Instagram was sort of semi brand new at the time. You're writing stuff on Facebook and whatever, and it would take all your posts and send them to day one. And then I could flag certain words. And if I use a particular hashtag, it would stick it on my WordPress site as a post. Yeah. And then Instagram did something and they broke it. And I ended up with thousands of dead links in my WordPress. And I was like, oh, you know, when it got big, they had to move their images to like a different AWS type server and it broke yeah. everything. I was so mad because it took so long. And then they're like, oh, well, maybe I can write something to rename all of these pages in WordPress. And it was working. And then I decided to tweak it and make it cuter. And, it <laughs> <boom>. <laughs> and yes. I should have been like, Joe. What the heck, man? <laughs> and then my friend goes, well, why did you set it up with short links? Shut up. Go away. Short links. Uh, shut up. That's only for YouTube. No, it's not. You can use it for all kinds of stuff. Yeah, thinking about it from a simple standpoint, really, I think that helps people getting started and also reminds us overcomplicators <laughs> to not overcomplicate. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, that's the thing, right? Because my friend said that when I'm automating, it's like I'm playing 9D chess. And I'm like, I don't, that's just, I've been thinking like a programmer for like over two thirds of my life at this point. But like, I just wrote a blog post recently called automation can be simple. And that serves as a reminder for me, as much as everybody who's looking at the automations I'm sharing going, I could never build something like this. So like most of them should be right. Like, you know, I have, I have an automation that lets me easily store all of my social media posts like from the beginning, right? Because like my repurpose, I have a repurposing content flywheel and everything starts with a Google Doc. I press a button on my stream deck, it creates a Google Doc. That was the only thing it did for a while. But I want some place that is more easily indexable and viewable than Google Docs or Google Drive. So the next part of the automation, right? This is where I iterated was, oh yeah, also send like the title of this document and the link to the document to an Airtable base called Social Post. Then my VA can just go in there and repurpose content as she needs, right? And then I thought, well, this is great, but if I don't use like a keyword in the title, if I use it somewhere in the body, in the content, it's not going to show up in search. So I had my VA go through all of the documents and add the actual content from the document into Airtable. 
So that I had a starting point there for all back catalog stuff. And then I updated the automation to not just send the title and the link, but also the actual content of the document to put it in a in one of the long form fields in Airtable. So now instead of going to Google Docs, I go to Airtable and I start, oh, did I talk about automation should be simple recently on social media? No, I didn't. I'll create a new post for that. But that was a three-step iteration based on my needs and, and what I thought would improve my workflows. <laughs> super oh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know I, I think I think you're right. I think for everyone who's thinking about like, okay, well, where do I get started, whatever, think of something that you do, like you said, repetitively every week and you wish there was an easier way and try to automate one portion of it and then add to it and then add to it and add to it. I think the low-hanging fruit for everyone here the majority of the people nowadays have smart lights at some place in their life. Somewhere you have a hue something, right? If it's not a yep. hue, it's a LifeX, or maybe you went super cheap and bought an Amazon brand, Govee, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. But I am blown away by how many of my friends that bought all of this smart stuff and have not automated a single piece of it. And like, well, what do you mean? If I walk out of my office... And I get outside of my building. The minute my phone disconnects from this Wi-Fi, the front door locks. It should already be locked. But if it didn't, it will automatically lock the door. Because sometimes yeah. I go outside and then I'm standing out there and then my friend, my next door neighbor comes by and says, hey, let's go grab some coffee. All right, cool. And I'll go to Starbucks. I'll come back and have left the office open for like, you know, 20 minutes. Now it automatically shuts, right? My other half will never admit to being afraid of the dark, but... When the car pulls into the driveway based off of her phone and turns the lights on in the house. Like those are low hanging fruit that you can do. When the bedroom lights turn off after like 9 p.m., lock the yes. front door. Because yeah. what's a conversation that everybody has ever had with their significant other? Did you lock the front door? Did you lock the door? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I don't remember. I'll just go check. Right? I like have that's my lights designed to go off. All the lights in the house go off at 12. And I had to do that because if I didn't, I would stay up. You know, it used to be, you know, <laughs> Call of Duty, and then it would turn into, like, you know, Madden or FIFA. But I just left him that way now. Now I'm old enough, my ass is definitely asleep by then. <laughs> but uh, it was just the point, because I would forget, and I would just be up, and then you got to be somewhere at, like, 5 in the morning. You're, like, sitting there, and all the lights turn off. You're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the sign. That's the sign. My office lights at 6 p.m. turn red, and that's like, hey, you should probably go upstairs and, like, hang out with your family. Yeah. yeah. I like that one. I also like that you were saying before we jumped on the podcast that you had like a warning light outside your yeah. door so that family knew that you were recording or live streaming or doing what you're doing. And everybody wants to buy a fancy button, right? They want to buy a fancy on-air button or whatever. And the good ones are pricey. The ones that just are plastic with a little slide in that you're going to forget to turn it on. Yeah, and they're, they're very out there. You're going to forget to turn it on. So it's not going to work, right? Other things that you could do, like, okay, so it's like if Paul sends me a text and I know that, you know, I can have it so that if I have certain words in it, Paul could text me a word. It would actually change one of the lamps in my room to that color. And this is all stuff you could do in IFTTT, right? So what I used to do is I had, if it's going to rain when I'm up in the morning, one of my lights would be purple. If it's a Red Sox game today, one of my lights would be red. So that way I can remember to set the DVR, right? Just dumb stuff like that. If I got an email from one of my clients that pays really well, it would change my lights, right? So I know to check my lights would go, ding, 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 and I would just, hey, all right, let me check this real quick. Yeah. That one I had to turn off because they would text me in the middle of a 
podcast, but there's easy stuff that you can do with Philips Hue and, and IFTTT, which is horrible now. I'm sure Mate can do the same thing. But yeah, so those are the kind of stuff you can set up. IFTTT like got worse when they started charging, which is weird. I still pay for it, right? Because one of the things that I do, right, is I live stream every Monday usually. And I have IFTT connected to YouTube and my Hue lights so that when someone sends me a super chat or a super sticker, my lights blink. And, it, you know, it's like if they send me a dollar, I think they blink like red. If they send me five dollars, they blink blue or whatever. Each level has like a color associated with it with YouTube. And so YouTube sends that color to Philips Hue. But like when I'm on the live stream, if my lights start blinking, right, I know to give somebody a shout out and they just made something happen in my house, which is super cool. So that's really great. It also kind of gives me a reason to ask for super chats and super stickers, right? Like, oh, just get, just duke me money right now where I say, like, if you want to make my lights blink. But Ecamm Live is great for, it's got shortcut support for when you open the app, when you close the app, when you go live, and when you're done going live. So the, one of the shortcuts I have is as soon as I turn Ecamm Live on, uh, it's a fair assumption that I'm going to be recording or at least using the virtual camera. So I'll be talking to somebody, right, in a meeting. And so it kicks off a shortcut that upstairs turns my recording light on. My family knows that. I love that. I want to set yeah. that one up in my house. Yeah. That'll be awesome. And I'll tell you, like Doc <laughs> said, I overthought this. I'm like, I got to find a smart on-air light. And then I was like, or I can buy like a $10 sconce, put it on my <laughs> drywall outside of my office, and then yeah. get a Philips Hue light. You know, it's just that everybody wants the fancy on-air light. And I'm like, this is dumb. This is just a signal so that my family knows I'm recording. I don't yeah, and no, and no one sees it but your family. So yeah, yeah right. I know. And I, like, you think I'm they care? They don't care. Yep. My kids don't even care that it's red, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just love to hear you say sconce because every time I say that, people look at me like, why? Why would whoever uses that word? Me and Joe. Oh, I, we use it. <laughs> That's right, I yeah. use it. Yeah, I like, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite words. It's, I need a new sconce. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I feel like we're going to have to have you back, Joe, because it seems to me, and based on the comments we're seeing here, and even just my own personal feelings, we need to have like a automation workshop or like it would be fun to really work on some of these together because I'm sure that there's like, there's probably like, you know, five or 10 that are really relevant to anyone that's doing live streaming or podcasting that are probably pretty easy to set up and we could literally just walk through them together. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it would be Absolutely. really fun. It would yeah. be super, super fun. Uh, and, and guys, like there's some of the stuff, like uh, we were saying, very easy stuff that you can do. Um, a good place to start is Apple Reminders. I mean, it's built into your phone, it's built into your iPad, it's built into your computer. And you can do simple things like when I get to Costco, remind me to buy Kirkland toilet paper. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, June 1st is the beginning of hurricane season here. The first thing that happens, they go, oh, there's going to be a hurricane. And then the line at Costco gets stupid. So the smart move is to go get it now. But nobody in my state will do that except me. <laughs> and then, and yeah. like June 2nd, all of a sudden, Costco, <laughs> gases, lines are long, water bottles can't be found. <laughs> Some of you guys live in Hurricane Alley. You know what life is like. Do it now before hurricane season starts, right? And you can do simple stuff like that with automation. Remind yourself these things. In the Boston area, it's always bread and milk. It was the most like weird thing about moving here. Like there'd be a snowstorm, and they'll like you'd go to the grocery store, and there'd be no bread or milk. And you're like, who is buying bread and milk during? So like, what about bottled water and toilet paper? Yeah, what are you gonna do with bread and milk? You can use bread for both. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
In New York, it was like milk and eggs. And I'm like, why are we yeah, only yeah. eating eggs when it's snowing? I'm like, what? what? <laughs> so I was always super paranoid uh, that I would get into like a really good groove and forget to go pick up my children, like from the bus stop or from daycare. I, I've actually been really guilty of that. Like my, my children get dropped off at a bus stop. And I like for a while when they were little, the bus driver needed to see my face to know that I was home. And I miss that all the time. Like the bus would be like standing out to like honking. Yeah. And like my daughter, like, like the bus stop is like a block and a half away. And my daughter is six and like, it just feels everything. She's like a very strong empath already. So like, she'd be like, why did you forget me? So like, I always, when I get to the bus stop in the morning, if I get to the crossroad at a certain time, and when I drop my kids off at the daycare, I have a reminder automatically created for 255 and then 455 to go pick up the kids. To date, I've never forgotten them, which is really nice. Um, Like I've never even needed the reminder. Like I'm always like about 10 minutes. I'm like, I got to go. But if I'm like in it, if I'm like really in the zone, right, I know I'm not going to forget to pick up my children. Oh my goodness. Well, everyone is saying yes, yes to workshops, yes to uh, to follow ups on this. So we will definitely have to to schedule that. I'm always amazed. I like this. I know an hour goes by quickly, but holy cow, an hour goes by quickly. Yeah, wow. Oh my goodness. Any other final questions, Doc, or anything, Joe, we haven't covered that we... Um, I'm just looking real quick. I didn't see anybody put any cues in there. So yeah, we can I know, yeah. run with it. I was actually pretty good. <laughs> Most people are just jaw dropped at the moment. But yes, so I, I appreciate this, Joe. It's a very good thing. People, by the way, check out how I built a podcast. I remember yes. now what it was I was doing. I had left and gone to Squarespace for a long time. And then I had to build a WordPress site for a friend. And in the beginning, you talked to lots of WordPress people. And I was trying to make sure that I was catching up to speed. So I would listen to you and then the automatic oh podcast and things like that. So yeah, that's what exactly what it was. Now I remember. Amazing. I'm going to like blush here, Doc, because I watched all of your Ecamm Live 4 videos recently. Sorry for like, you. Oh, man, these guys are awesome. <laughs> no, it was great. The LinkedIn one especially, it was like really helpful for me. So, well, thank uh, you. Okay, I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, guys. If you, you guys need to have any questions or whatever, please uh, reach out to us and we'll send it along to Joe. You can follow Joe yourself. Go to casabona.org. Did I say that right? Yeah, that is correct. All right, cool. You can uh, put a little Italian flair on, like Casabona, right? Good house. Casabona, yeah. I like it. The New York thing just <laughs> leaked out. <laughs> I mean, you say you had two extra kids during the pandemic. It's like, tell me you're Italian without telling me you're Italian. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm Italian. My wife's Irish Catholic. It was bound to happen. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was yeah. Destined. Dude, you're just trying to do the New York thing, right? <laughs> uh, really? Yeah, really. I try to keep my accent on a low burn, right? Because if, you know, if I turn it on, I talk about getting coffee and getting clothes out of my drawer. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Hey, no, in- I love India it. India would love you. India would be uh, like, you're yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So don't forget, you can follow the flow wherever your podcast getting is got. If you go to flow.ecam.com, it will take you to most places. And also, don't forget, it is now. <laughs> now that the YouTube button is available. It is on YouTube Music. Hashtag Doc was right. You can send us story requests. Flow at ecamp.com. That's how you send us an email. And another thing, speaking about automation, we would like to thank the script for helping us put this together. The script is our favorite app because in the ecam, when you're done your recording your podcast, you can press send to the script. 
And all of a sudden, you're ready to edit your podcast, create social media posts, and fix all of the places where Doc randomly speaks Japanese and Katie's like, what the heck is that? <laughs> it's just like Doc is speaking Japanese in brackets. So just ignore this part. <laughs> right. So Descript is available, people. Please go and check it out. You know, just tell them this part of Ecamm fan. We have a special code for you in the ecamm.com slash blog slash perks. If you jump over there, you can get yourself a little discount code. So thank you guys for always being here with us on The Flow. As we say each and every week, Flow Riders, out! Calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again. It's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? <laughs> I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course, your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this.